Welcome to Rehab Within Reach. We are your hosts, Dr. Chrissy Rankin, physical therapist and CrossFit Level 1 coach. And I'm Dr. Sarah Nelson, a physical therapist, and I'm board certified in women's health and lymphedema therapy, and I also hold a master's degree in orthopedic manual therapy. And I'm Dr. Shona Craig. I'm also a physical therapist, a board certified women's health clinical specialist, certified lymphedema therapist, and yoga teacher. We are a collective of women from various backgrounds who support each other and the community around us that have one thing in common, therapy solutions. This podcast will be addressing how the body, mind, and spirit work together to create our current state of being while offering a refreshing approach to how to create harmony within each system. Our treatment philosophy is to empower people through education by combining modern evidence-based practice with our innate primal wisdom in order to promote body literacy and compassion in your personal healing journey. Even though our professional background started in physical therapy, we take an integrative and holistic approach by addressing all systems of the body in order to bridge the gap between the current medical model in the United States and your ability to make autonomous decisions to achieve independence and wellness. This podcast is meant to challenge you to think in ways that may feel uncomfortable at first, but don't worry. Remember, our goal is to provide resources in order for you to make the best decisions for your well-being, which may go against what most of our society suggests is quote-unquote healthy or correct. As a reminder, this podcast does not replace the medical examination, assessment, and plan of care from a licensed medical provider who has seen you personally. Let's get started. All right, so um, everybody, this is Christy Brown, and Christy, why don't you go ahead and just introduce yourself, who you are, uh, what you do, um, plug socials, that kind of a thing. Yeah, so my name is Christy Brown. I am a mom of two boys. I am a wife to my husband, (laughs) which is cool. Um, But I'm actually an intuitive eating coach. I got here because I used to be a former uh, athlete and bodybuilder, and I got really tangled up in the world of having to look a certain way all the time. And I found that most women feel this way, whether you're bodybuilding or not. In the fitness world, in the health world, in the world, um, most women just feel like they have to be a certain size and that health is at the certain size. And I just bosh that myth and we help you find your, I help you find your ideal body. So um, basically that's what I do. And it's actually helped me a lot with parenting, with everything, but you can find me on uh, social media, Instagram and TikTok for sure uh, at intuitively underscore strong. So I have the webinar for your TikTok, but I haven't watched it yet, but it is on the to-do list. That is for right. sure. Right. And yeah, we talked about just before we hit record that, you know, we talk about your significant uh, medical history and how that affected your pregnancy and your childbirth experience and your postpartum experience. But it would be really interesting to also talk about um, someone who understands uh, potentially disordered eating and uh, being an athlete and then being pregnant, how that can also be affected as well. So 
For sure. Yeah, absolutely. So um, from the beginning, my story, it's, uh, I actually had my hip replacement in 2015. And then two and a half months after my hip replacement, I decided it'd be a great idea to start training for a bodybuilding competition. Um, so I did that. And it was actually really not great because I built a lot of muscle instead of doing more stretches, which I should have done, um, which when giving birth, and if you can think of giving birth, you do a lot of knee to chest. Um, I can't do that. I can't even paint my toenails on my right foot. So I, um, I, I just immediately, they were like, okay, C-section for sure. So, but, uh, as far as that goes, it was really difficult. Um, and I think most women feel this way, uh, that either have eating disorders or have disordered eating patterns, which are similar to only eating at certain times. Um, eating by certain food rules, eating with a lot of guilt and shame on their plate. Um, labeling foods as good or bad, healthy or unhealthy, that then labels you healthy or unhealthy, good or bad. So um, it actually really got to me in my, my pregnancy to where I kind of used my pregnancy as like a, all right, we're just going to cheat. I'm going to give myself a break. And it was like one long weekend. <laughs> like I just waited for that Monday to come around, right? Like, cause it's just start again on Monday. So I kind of just use my whole pregnancy as just like a binge, one long binge weekend. And um, that clearly wasn't great either. Um, I did not work out for my, uh, with my first son, but my second son, they're two years apart. I did work out during that. And I actually felt a lot better during my pregnancy. All those tiny little aches and pains were going away. So that was, was really good. But um, yeah, definitely can dive deeper if you want me to, but as far as that, and then the pregnancy and then the hip replacement, it gets a little tangled, but yeah. yeah absolutely. So then why don't we start with um, why you had the hip replacement and then did you have both on, did you have two on one or did both of them replaced? So I have my right, just my right one done. It was congenital hip dysplasia when I was growing up. Um, my socket never formed in here. So it was just like, that's the whole time. So I played sports all my life. So it just kind of banging against here, built up arthritis balls and bone spurs. And then it's funny, I played um, uh, sports in high school and in college. And actually when, it, when I stopped playing is when it got really bad. Like I would just be walking and my hip would give out and I'd fall or I, you know, it was just not good. So obviously I didn't have a hip socket. So they went in, carved out a socket and um, basically it looks like a trailer hitch in my hip. <laughs> so yep, yep. if you need anything towed, I got you, Chrissy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, and so then right, um, how long after you had that done, did you then decide to get pregnant or start the pregnancy process, anything like that? Yeah, so um, I'm not gonna lie. I, after my bodybuilding show, I was, um, kind of deciding whether to do another show or not. And we were kind of just, I finally at that point had gotten my period back because I had lost my period um, because I got too lean. Um, even during the show, even after the show, I got, I tried to keep that leanness because you only get that body for one day and that's it. That's it. You will not have it anymore. You shouldn't have it anymore. It is malnourished. It is dehydrated. Don't ever keep pictures up on Pinterest of people on stage because that's not hashtag body goals. That's hashtag malnourishment. So um, also I, I think we just, I was like, well, let's try and let's see what happens. And boom, on our first shot, we, we got pregnant. So that was kind of like my deciding factor of, okay, we're not gonna, I'm not going to compete anymore, but maybe after this baby. So. And I like hearing the fact that, cause of the fact that you were able to have, uh, children and get pregnant relatively quickly after, 
and I don't know when you started your um, healing process of, yeah. you know, disordered eating, um, but what a great story to say, like, it can happen, because um, I always feel like we're so afraid that once we do damage and it's, it's done forever, like we're, we're completely screwed. And so um, what a great story then to say like, no, like you can recover yes. and we can do things health wise and health um, conscious and then still be able to have and conceive and have children. That's fantastic. Yes. Um, so during your pregnancy, mm-hmm. uh, and you talked about a little bit earlier that that disordered eating or those habits mm-hmm. kind of came back a little bit um, can you describe those a little bit more? I know you said the binge, um, but were you still kind of labeling foods as like good and bad or stuff like that? And can you take through that process? Yeah, for sure. Um, so definitely during that, it was kind of just like, I almost, um, and I always tell my clients this, it's kind of like that last supper mentality of, well, I'm not hungry, but it's here. So I'm going to eat it now. So it's all gone. Or this is the only time that I can get this food. So I'm going to eat it all now. Um, I definitely had that, especially with Panera. I swear I could like drink their Greek dressing. Like I just, anything vinegary, I was all about it. And they have this, this kitchen sink cookie that is to die for. So I would be all over that like once or twice a week. And, um, I just, I would eat that all the time, that meal, like just crazy. I was just craving it. And and even if I wasn't hungry, I would eat it, but I'd be like, Christy, this is the last time you're going to get it. So just, just eat it now. And you're, you're going to burn off all this, all this later. It's fine. And especially with breastfeeding and I was actually one of the many women, this is a huge myth, I believe, but I could not lose weight during pregnancy. And anytime I tried to lose weight, um, like when I would lower my calorie count, I lost milk. So I was that person that I stopped about three months in with my first son. Um, that, and it was just becoming very laborious. Uh, it's, it's a full-time job for sure, but I did stop. Um, I'm not going to say a hundred percent because I wanted to get back like my body back. Um, but I'm going to, now I can admit it was a really big part of it. And, and just that other thing that I absolutely despise that women are just supposed to be getting their bodies back after they give birth. Like that is bleh. Oh, ridiculous. And even I, I find it too, um, cause I, my background is a physical therapist and how people sometimes get in this, in this mindset that they always have to go back to where they were before. And even if they're not pregnant and, and currently in their postpartum journey, um, we somehow, and I don't know if it's a society thing or an American thing, or just like where we are in our lives now, but everyone's like, I just want to wish I can go back to where it was. And, but change happens, right? Change is inevitable. And sometimes it, it sometimes takes a little like gut reality check that, Hey, that's in the past. And we're never, the circumstances are never going to be that same ever again. Um, especially if you have a kiddo running around. Um, and then eventually you had a second one. So you have two kiddos running around. Um, and so like where, so I guess we could kind of go into this, uh, in this, um, I guess how society like, uh, tells women, like you have to get, look back to where you were before. And, um, we're like, where do we think that comes from? Because, I mean, it takes nine months for you, which is unbelievable, to grow a human, right? And then to think that it won't take a minimum of nine months to recover from growing that human, I just, um, like, where does that come from? Like, have you done any much, like, research or, like, your own personal reflection from that? Yeah, so I'm sorry if you hear dogs or kids barking in the background, like, real life happening here. (laughs) But um, I I totally believe... um, 
you know, yes, it's a society, like a societal standard. However, as women, especially nowadays, we can break that societal standard. So because our moms did it, I know, I don't know about you guys, but my mom was always dieting. She was constantly like on Weight Watchers. She had that magic number in her head of this is where I'm, I need to be. And she oh, could never get there. Freezer. Yes. Ten years old. Like, oh, it's yes. Oh my gosh. So true. And then literally that was my magic number. So I think growing up with it and seeing it and my mom also did everything. Like she worked full time. She did the dishes. She cleaned the house. She made dinners. Like she was like, I mean, it was like growing up in like 1910, like my dad, like he, we're, we come from a Mexican household. So the women do everything. The women cook, the women clean, they do everything. So, um, that's what my grandma did. Sorry, my son is just having a ball out there. Um, but that's, so my mom like just kind of took over and like, that's what she did. So, uh, you know, I think it comes from a societal thing, but also I, I do believe that as women, since we want, I mean, we're, we're humans. Not only that, we just literally body built. Like we literally built a body. And the thing is, we don't, I, I hate how as society moms, like Mother's Day cards and everything are just so, oh, you're a hero because you exhaust yourself to death and, and you do everything in the world. And, you know, we're all just sitting here while you go do this. I, I hate that that is, like, it literally makes me angry that that's how we're viewed. Like that mom's literally taking a shower is a form of self-care for them when every other human in the world it's like that's normal the necessity to live yeah mm -hmm. i agree it's um i i do not have children yet um and it's and i come from a very small i'm an only child i'm a small family and even like my outside family is is relatively small and somewhat distant and I somehow have been so drawn into this pregnancy and prenatal and postpartum world. And I think it's because of the, I, holy shit, like, well, how is this happening? Right? Like, I, I just can't believe that we are in this world where most traditional uh, societies in the world value the pregnancy and postpartum time and allow like the line and period of, you know, a month where they're just like, no, you're literally in a room with your baby and we'll do everything else. But then in this Western world, we don't acknowledge that at all. And, and it's just, it's heartbreaking to hear like the experiences that you've seen, like with your family and like yourself, how you just see this never ending standard that who created to begin with. Right. And and that we're exposed to, like you said, do everything and then also look like you literally came on the salon every day and wearing perfect clothes without a stain on it. You know, I right. do. Um, do you find like with your coaching that you're going, that you're having with women and you're bonding with women, do you find that the tide is changing? Because I like to say that it is because I am, where I've talked about this with my friends and I know my mom never talked about it with her friends. So do you find it changing or do you still feel we have a long time to go? Yeah, I, I do believe the change has started to rise um, because my mom will come up. She goes, oh my gosh, I wish your dad helped me out as much as Andy, my husband helps me out. And I'm like, mom, this is the standard now. Like women don't take this anymore. Like I'm not just going to have him sit on the couch. He does things around the house. He does dishes. He does laundry. And it took one time, Chrissy, my friend, I was just huffing and puffing because we were at their house and it was kind of like, a, okay, dinner's ready. Like a potluck, you know, everybody brought stuff and I'm holding this like three month old and my husband gets up and goes and gets food. And, um, I'm just like, Oh, 
he always goes first and he never asks to hold the baby. And I'm always the one that has to eat last and to feed the baby and do this. And my friend just looks at me and she goes, that's your fault. And I'm like, what? And yeah. she was right. Mm-hmm. I need to ask for help. As women, we get so scared to ask for help with birthing, with, with, uh, oh, let me come help you when you have the baby. No, it's okay. You feel like you're a burden or you feel like you're not the mom that could do it all if you need help. And to me, like my biggest advice for new moms, take all the help you can get. Like when somebody wants to come over just to hold the baby, have them hold the baby. If you go take a nap, by all means do it. And even I, it was so hard for me to do that because you just feel like a failure. You feel like, oh, if I'm not starting up that 30, 30 day workout program, um, you know, two months after I gave birth, then, you know, she did it. We we see people on social media, our friends posting about, oh, just did the 30 day shred and burn and, you know, I'm two, two weeks postpartum. And I'm like, what? <laughs> and then, but then you also wonder like, how are they really doing? Right? Like, and as, as a public floor physical therapist, I think, and this is different for everybody, but then I'm like, oh, how is your bladder doing? Like, how is your colon doing um, beyond just like what you look like, right? But I know it's different for everybody because um, some people actually do, because they did what they did prenatally, that postpartum things go a little bit differently, um, mm-hmm. depending on what birth, uh, childbirth they had. But I always think about that too. And, and and I don't, and as someone like yourself, who has also dug a little bit deeper in nutrition and understood and understands the concept of um, intuitive eating and just nutrition in general, I'm like, you're thinking like, okay, so how much are you eating? Are you drinking enough? Um, and then I'm thinking, how is your pelvic floor? Are you peeing yourself? Um, and so like we, there's like underlying stuff that we still aren't quite talking about but yet we're acknowledging it in some capacity. I, I, that's what I start to immediately think about when I see them like, oh, I just stood in my beach body 30 day challenge, whatever. Um, and so like, we're, we're talking about it, but we're still not quite like the action still isn't quite there yet, potentially. Oh, true. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, you were just also saying, um, oh, about uh, uh, not saying yes, like please take the baby or something like that. Mm, yeah. I've been telling some um, mamas lately, like especially if they're on their like second or third kid, you know, they have a lot of the hand-me-downs, like or what they left, they kept. So I said, start on your registry, like put uh, gift cards for um, a massage or gift cards to see a, a, a physical therapist, a gift cards to, to have a doula. There's even postpartum doulas now that will literally just come to your house and clean for you and cook for you. I'm like, yes, that's, that's exactly what we should have, and that should be the standard. Yeah. Um, and so, so I guess now we can go. We're kind of like going all over the place, which I love. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, what did you do then, like prenatally and postpartum, that you felt like really helped supported you um, with your transition between the two? Um, you know. I, I didn't do, I was still stuck in very deep, like diet culture, rooted diet culture, got to get body back then. So, um, I wish I could say I did something to take care of myself. I never did when the baby was sleeping, I didn't sleep. There was too much to do. And I'll tell you, I don't remember those times that I went into the laundry. I don't remember the times that, you know what I mean? Like, I just, I wish I would have taken better care of myself because I think, I, I mean, literally your body just went through a trauma. Like technically your body just burned the human, like, good Lord, I don't care how you did it. Like 
that's crazy. So it's remarkable. It's unbelievable. And our, it just goes to show you like our bodies are so smart. And if we don't take care of them, um, like your body, you're literally just built a baby. Like how cool is that? And, and bones and saliva and atoms and, and particles and molecules and proteins and all these things, this baby to survive, yet we can't trust it to, well, I don't trust you around this food. Well, I don't trust you to take a nap right now because I don't think you're going to get up. And, and we don't take care of it. So it's like we're running this car on empty and we see gas station after gas station and we just don't stop. So my, my biggest, I guess I would say, I wish I would have taken better care of my body, meaning I wish I would have fed it more. I wish I would have gave it more sleep and I wish I would have given it more water. Yeah. And yeah, you're a plant. <laughs> like literally you're a plant. plant with complicated feelings. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I love that. Um, and so did you notice that after first baby versus second baby that maybe you had a shift in that mentality or was it still kind of the same? Yeah. So I will tell you, um, and maybe it was just me. I, I literally, I have to tell you guys, like full disclosure, I had no, um, uh, I can't remember what they're called. I had no, um, oh my gosh, uh, <laughs> My, this is called mom brain, by the way, when, when you can't remember a thing. Um, uh, oh my gosh, pains when birthing. Good Lord. A contraction. Thank you. Wow. Yes. Wow. Huge mom brain in effect. So yes, I had, I felt, I've never felt a contraction and I've never had my water broken. Like my water never broke. So yeah. I, I don't know what that feels like. Like I literally had both of my C-sections scheduled because of my hip. Mm -hmm. So they were either scared that my hip would pop out of place or it would dislocate my hip, birthing the baby out. So we did that instead. So I, the second time around, like if you think of a C-section, when they go in, they open you up um, through your pelvis here, but then they also open you up through the uterus. So you're literally cut twice. Your stomach muscles are cut. Everything's cut. What I didn't know is that like they take everything and put it on the table. <laughs> My husband, like, he's like, I just for a second went like this and he goes, I saw all your intestines and everything here. And I'm like, oh, okay, you're done. And Don't look at it. I'm like, leave a little bit of magic. All right. Don't look past the curtain. So, um, literally I, uh, it, it was crazy. The second time around, it hurt a lot worse to heal my uterus. It was just the contractions and everything. So the second time, and I guess if I would have had another baby, um, the third time it's going to hurt even worse. So every time, it, just because if you think about it with the contractions, you know, your uterus is contracting to like get all the blood out. So yeah. So that was like a little bit different between the first and the second. Um, it's really like birthing wise that's kind of like the only thing I really noticed I, I showed a lot sooner the second but yeah so then when did your kind of a journey or transition really start going to this intuitive eating trusting the body like when like when did that shift start happening for you and like what kind of started that Yes. Oh, I love that you asked that because this is actually a really like emotional story for me because it involves my son and um, I don't have girls, but still, I mean, anybody can develop an eating disorder, disorder eating patterns or hate their bodies for any reason. So my son was um, uh, two years old at the time and I, uh, I knew my relationship with food wasn't great. I'm always like, okay, I'm, I'm just going to start again on Monday and my willpower is going to be better. It's going to be better. I know it. I'm, I'm going to really hunker down this time. 
and it kept just getting worse and worse and worse and deeper and darker. And um, my old eating disorders came back. I had gotten rid of them um, right after my second, I had my second son and I, I just was like, okay, I know I need help. But what really took the cake was when um, I had eaten something that I wasn't supposed to or was off limits or was too many calories. And at that time I had bulimia and I ran to the bathroom and purge and I heard little footsteps behind me. And I just like at that point, you know, so, um, oh, I like get emotional thinking about this. I hear my son knock on the door and he just goes, mommy, are you okay? And I'm just like, walk out. I'm just like tears. And I'm like, I anybody has had bulimia or knows like you just you look monstrous afterwards your eyes are bloodshot red your your voice is cracked you're just um your head hurts it's just a lot of pressure it's just very um it's not a great feeling it's like a really bad hangover and um I just looked at him and I was like I need help like it was it was so emotional for me that I'm like I had to tell him I was sick and it mm, it was just bad so yeah and then do you have, did you, were you afraid that then that behavior could potentially like transfer over? And then was it more of just like, well, I, I just, I tell my son to love himself and to love his body and to love his mind, but here I am not doing it myself. Um, how did that, uh, like, kind of, how did that evolve? How did that um, go from there? Yeah. So it was um, from there, I started looking online, like what to do and um, I encourage anybody at this point, like go see a therapist, go talk to your doctor, by all means get help. Um, I sought in, uh, I was at that point I'd heard about intuitive eating and I was like, I always thought it was giving up on yourself. I mean, I was a hardcore bodybuilder. So anything that anybody else was doing that wasn't what I was doing was wrong, clearly. Like <laughs> if you're not counting macros, that's not right, you know? So um, I was, I knew about it and I kind of started looking into it because I'm like, I just need, I didn't know this at the time, but I had a very unhealthy relationship with food. Um, I needed to make peace with food. There was no foods that I could keep in the house. Even if I set my calories up to 2,200, 2,400 calories a day, it still felt like restriction to me. I still binged. I still ate off plan. I still ate bad. So um, I got a hold of a coach and uh, I, I kind of dabbled in it and two steps out, two steps back in. And finally, I was just like, I'm going to do it. Because yeah. at that point, I will tell you the biggest fear somebody has is gaining weight. And that is like the biggest fear of anybody is, but what if I gain weight? And that can take over like your, your fear of look, not looking healthy overtakes your fear of actually being healthy. Absolutely. Absolutely. I have uh, my own story of disordered eating and thankfully I did have um, uh, a therapist that really helped me and I, and I found her specifically to help with that. And, and, you know, and, it's, and when you go back through it and you're like, when did this start? And, you know, I had, I had a, a grandmother that, I mean, look and how small you were was the most, and getting a husband and a family were the most important thing in life. Not that that's wrong or anything like that. It just someone like me who did not fit any of that criteria and I'm almost 30 and I'm still in that, in that criteria. Um, it really, it, it came in out of food. And um, I, I remember there were times where um, I definitely lived in the scarcity mindset that you're talking about with, um, I'm never going to eat this again. And so I better binge it now. And then I, I felt that binge and I attempted to purge multiple times 
And I remember saying this to my therapist, I was never successful and that I never, and I, and how lucky I was that I never was successful of actually being able to purge something up because if I did, it would have went down and even, and I, and I hesitate to use that word, but she's like, no, that's, that's the exact word that you were trying to say. And, um, and still it's, we're going through, and I'm still, there's times where, um, I feel that scarcity mindset. Um, and I remember at times, like I didn't buy bananas for five years because it wasn't, and I did paleo, you know, and, yep. and zone kind of ish. And you're like, what? I can't just eat a banana. Um, so I totally understand um, uh, what that feels like. Um, and so how long or how, how did your process, besides like jumping in with two feet and then coming out and jumping back in, um, how did that intuitive eating journey go for you? Like how long did you really need someone to help you with it? And like, what steps did you take through that? That That's yeah, a really good question because this is uh, definitely not a quick fix. This is one of those where you have to be at your very last rope with dieting. Like you have to be like, I cannot do another diet. I, I'm done. Like you, you honestly have to get through the steps of like you first just want to lose an innocent 10 pounds. And then that perfection bar just keeps moving. Well, now I lost 10. Now I won't lose 15. And now I want abs. And now I want no cellulite. And now I want this and that. Da, 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 da. And, and it just keeps worsening and worsening. And then you start dipping into disordered eating patterns and then which can form into eating disorders. Um, and I got to a point where I was just done. And, and I think the fear of staying the same was the worst, was worse than the fear of gaining weight. And I think that's what you have to get to because <clears throat> for me, I had to gain weight. I mean, I, I lost my period again. So I wasn't, uh, I, I mean, I was just malnourished. I, that's one of your five vital signs too, right? Isn't it Chrissy? So yeah, we're calling it yeah, the fifth vital sign now. Yeah. Um, yeah. So when you lose that, it's like, you're, you're literally your body shutting down because you don't have enough fuel and everybody, that's the thing. Everybody on the outside was praising me for, Oh, you look so good. Chris, you lost weight. That's why I never compliment anybody on weight loss. Cause I don't know what they're going through. If somebody just died in their family, if they have medication problems, if they have an illness or an eating yeah. disorder. So, um, that's, everybody was telling me that. And that's why I kept dipping back out. Every time I would gain it like five pounds, I would go, Oh, I can't do this. I can't do this. People won't love me anymore. They won't accept me. They won't approve of me. And, and it all came down to me as, um, Chrissy, it came down to my adequacy. Like my fit body made me feel adequate in this world. Like it made me feel like somebody cause I was above average. The word average was the worst word in the world for me. Like, don't make me be average. And now I, I still see a therapist to this day because I still have like, you know, unworked issues from past traumas, things like that. And I encourage everybody to, I think it's really good. Um, and she goes, no, like that's, I want you to be average, like be an average mom right now, be average. What I've noticed, and you can probably relate to this is that most of us with disordered eating patterns, former athletes, um, fitness enthusiasts, we are all overachievers, perfectionists and people pleasers. And that will tear us apart, so. And it does, it took me a year and a half, Chrissy, sorry, to get to your point, <laughs> year and a half. And then to actually then feel not only confident in the concepts, because I'm still, like, I understand the concepts. I am a really good uh, a teacher about it, but mm -hmm. I'm still having trouble with adopting it myself. Yeah. And I, 
I go through my struggles, it's just like everybody, and, it, and then where you kind of wax and wane too with what you're experiencing. Yep. Um, so then when, in that year and a half process, and you're like, mm -hmm. I'm feeling good about myself, I'm, um, I feel like I'm strong and healthy for my family. So then when did your business kind of start growing after that? I actually, while I was healing my relationship, relationship with food, I was like, I'm going to document this. Cause I'm like, I would love to know. And little did I know there's a, 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 her name is Stephanie Buttermore. She did the exact same thing, but she did a way like awesomer job. She like literally documented everything. I documented it and put it into like a six month course, like just on my notes on my phone. And every time, every day I was feeling something like I'm feeling this today. This is really weird. Like I'm noticing that the more, um, the more I eat, the less I snack throughout the day, the less, you know, like all these little things that I'm noticing. And I, I actually, um, was so sick of at night. I'm like, okay, is this binge eating or am I allowing myself full permission on all foods? I would get so confused. So I made a flow chart of it yeah. and I'm like, okay, I'm going to get, I'm going to help other people with this. Like to yeah. me, this was like my calling to be like, Christy, you could help other people. You, you could change other people's lives. And I, I started up a pilot group and I'm like, who wants to join? I'm like, if you're having trouble, I had four women join. And um, every week I created a lesson, a video and a challenge. And the best way to learn is visual, visually um, and to actually read and then to listen. So I wanted and to do. So I wanted to encompass all those in one week. So I, I would love to do this for a full year, but that's a long commitment. So I just do six months. And if people want to redo it with me, they can, but it's, it's literally everything I went through and it, it's ordered very well, I would say, because it's, it's very helpful. Yeah, absolutely. And I love how you just said, like, am I binging? And because then I remember also when my, or and the other part is, or am I allow my body to yeah. itself and to be satisfied with what I'm eating? Mm -hmm. And I would, uh, when my, when the best thing my therapist ever told me was like, if you feel like you're binging or using, um, inappropriate things, um, to get through your day or what you would consider inappropriate or anything like that, then what are you missing in your, in your daily life? And yeah. that for me is boundaries. Um, yeah. I have a hard time setting boundaries. Like you talked about the people pleaser, the high achiever, um, and so then if I'm not setting my boundaries, then I then don't fuel myself. Oh, here's the, the my novel yeah. dog's going. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> um, when then, um, when then me get into behaviors and patterns that weren't as healthy as I would want them to be. And then I wonder why I'm binging and crying at the same time, right? And so um, I love that, that, that um, am I binging or am I, being satisfied and then kind of finding well if I am binging then what am I missing and that's kind of where that connection kind of comes from oh, absolutely yeah absolutely I hate that you've been through it but I love that you've been through it at the same time because it's a community isn't it it really is and I remember sitting around with some girlfriends a couple I think about a year ago and I was like brain talking about it and they're like I've never heard of this and it might just be just our curiosity minds, um, you know, finding social media things that seem to fit our worldview. And then we just so happen to dip our toe into like the body positivity and then yeah. going in there. And it's amazing um, how I started, what's the word? I, um, oh, so when, another thing that someone really helped me with was if you, if you're watching a social media person and they make you feel bad, you probably should unfollow them. Yes. 
And yes. yeah, and I, and that's so simple, right? And how, you know, much that might be celebrities or it might be, um, but, you know, fitness influencers and, and, you know, and it's perpetuating that stereotype. And um, it was just amazing to see that, you know, my girlfriends like had no clue what I was talking about. And so we still have time to go. Um, we still have a ways to go, but at least we're talking about it and, and being open and vulnerable about it for sure. Absolutely. You're so right. It's, it's one of the things I have my clients do is literally go through your social media and anybody that makes you feel bad, even if it's somebody that's like a intuitive eating person or whatever, I couldn't follow the, the really thin ones because it made me feel bad. Like, well, well I'm, I'm intuitive eating. Why don't I look like that? So yes. it's, it's comparison and, and for now, like there's seasons of this journey. And for now in this season, I can't see that. So, you know, and that at first it's really triggering and, and it'll make you think, oh, I should go do that. I should just restrict. I should go back to that diet. Okay. This isn't working. And then your mind just goes off into a tangent. So. Yeah, absolutely. So then do you work a lot with prenatal postpartum women? Um, how, how's that experience been for you? Um, or is that just kind of slowly kind of starting in your business? Yeah, I'd say um, my, who I mainly work with is, is uh, fitness enthusiast moms or former athletic moms, because uh, that's who I was. And, and don't get me wrong, I have, I have clients that are not moms at all. I have clients that are um, not athletic. They just like saw me and we clicked. And to me, it's, it's finding a good coach is about personality. Like I'm quirky, I'm weird. Like if you see my TikToks, I just go off, I have fun, I entertain, but that's who I am. I'm high energy. I am in your face person and I'm a woo woo girl. Not everybody likes that. So find the person that's going to be right for you because you're going to need that support and guidance your way. So, um, it, it's so, it's so true. You got to like literally connect with somebody and be like, I want to go have a beer with her. I want to go hang out with her. <laughs> the, um, the gym that I go to, the owner, uh, just was, I uh, do like an Instagram live with uh, someone in her area that she's like, yeah, we just really like uh, liked our conversation that we're having. So we're like, might as well film it and see what happens. I'm like, that's it. That's how, you know, like connections start. That's how podcasts start. That's yes. how projects start. It's like, yeah, like it's, it is about that connection and, and that authenticity and vulnerability. That's absolutely so true. So yeah. true. Um, so it sounds like to, well, oh, I think another one thing too, that you mentioned in your, um, when we were talking about, um, what we would talk about, you had mentioned that this, your second, and that we're kind of going now, we went into, um, uh, like in eating and then maybe we'll like kind of shift back into pregnancy. Hmm? Um, but you mentioned that at least one of your kiddos was breech, um, and it was kind of a wild time. I think I remember the quote was, oh my gosh. So, and did you use anything in particular, um, to help with the breach or since you knew that you were having a scheduled C-section and it wasn't, you know, it was okay, you know, so how did that go? Chrissy, this was a crazy story, like out of control. So um, I got there, of course I show up, I'm like, my hair's done, my makeup's done. I'm like, hey, you're here to have a baby, right? Like, ready to go. And um, I get in there and, you know, they prep you and do all the things mm -hmm. and we're about ready to go in and they're like, they took my blood and whatever. And all of a sudden they're like, something's wrong. And I'm like, what's happening? Like, what's going on? And it freaks me out because actually what had happened was my son's blood somehow got into mine 
and something was happening. I don't know how it did or what happened, but I almost had to have a blood transfusion because um, uh, when you have a C-section, they had to like fly in a, a new blood transfusion because now it messed with my blood. I was no longer an A negative. I was a mix of his and mine or something like that. And they, cause there was antibodies in it now cause my blood thought it was an attack. So um, I, my blood like changed or something like I, okay, please don't quote me on this. I'm probably saying things wrong. <laughs> but um, so they had to like fly in like a new bag of like this blood that had his and mine in it, like our types both in it. So that was crazy. Like I'm holding up every other C-section. I just hear them in other curtains, like, sorry, we're having a little bit of a wait because they have to go in order. So um, all these women are just waiting and I'm like holding everybody up. And um, they tried to, when they found out he was breech and transverse, so he was backwards and sideways, which on my, he was literally laying on my fake hip the entire time. And I couldn't walk for more than 20 minutes. Like I couldn't stand up for more than 20 minutes. And at that point there was only like, I was maybe on the treadmill at the gym or the elliptical was the only thing I could do. And only a certain one. And uh, I was on it for five minutes and I was like, that's good enough. That's fine. <laughs> um, and then uh, it just, I felt so much pain on my, on my bionic hip. Like he was just, I don't know if it was his head or what was on there. And so they tried to like move him. And if anybody had that done, I am so sorry. That is the most painful thing. <laughs> like when they're trying to move him, I'm like, oh, you're gonna pop the baby. <laughs> and so, yes, it was very painful, but uh, they couldn't move him. He was stuck or whatever. So I'm just like thinking like, thank God this is, that's him right now if you can hear him, the wild one. But um, of course, I, I just, right. I just thank God that like, we live in the times we do right now. Cause if it were back in like the 1800s, I would have died. Like, you know what I mean? Like getting the baby out, like just with everything. And I'm like, it's just crazy to think like how, like, even though that's out of control, crazy, there's so many like more odd things that could happen. Or if that's the worst thing that happened to me, like we did good, you know, that's okay. Cause there's a lot of stories out there. Absolutely. And that's a, a good point too, because we're kind of just like, I don't know, society tends to be like extremes, right? We're never like able to be in the middle. And, you know, people, it goes from, you know, home birth and all natural birth and stuff like that is really trendy right now. And I'm all like, whatever you float your boat, whatever you think is true for yourself and you're supported in that decision, that's all that matters. But, um, you know, it's amazing. It's, it's great hearing you know, like, oh, thank God that we live in the time that we did because I'm alive, right? Uh, <laughs> right? Yeah, even if that was like 50 years ago, you might, right? it might have been a problem. Um, and so just a testament that as long as everyone is is feeling heard and seen and taken care of, um, and that's a whole nother conversation because unfortunately, many women are um, kind of forced into decisions that they don't necessarily want to with their birth, uh, right. birth experience, but um yeah it's just a testament that yeah how, however it happens it happens and so um, true. things can can come about it but it happens for a reason and so right. yeah so that's what a yeah what a great story um and know that uh everyone's healthy and safe and and good to go definitely yes <sighs> so good so glad <laughs> Absolutely. um and so uh, i i we covered a lot. Yeah. Um, anything, and and I loved how we kind of flowed and went back and forth. Anything yeah. particular, like you would like to add, or 
really feel um, that you need to talk about your story or anything like that? Oh man, I mean, the, the biggest thing I can say to everybody is just, um, you know, be your own person with this. It's, it's scary having a baby at first. You almost wanna be like everybody else so you're not different. And you know, you don't wanna be the mom that did something weird or something different or that did it your way. But it's always the moms that did things their own way that are the happier ones that are in whatever your own way is. Like, like I say to my women, like whatever form of self-care means to you. Sometimes self-care means eating the cookie. Sometimes self-care means not eating the cookie. Sometimes it means going to a workout. Sometimes it means taking a rest. So, and that goes for motherhood too. Um, as far as motherhood goes, you know what's best for your baby. My son, my first son, um, we found out he had celiac disease at 16 months old. And I mean, when your 21 pounder loses three pounds, you just freak out and he had the distended belly and he was just very, very high on the levels there. And it was so scary. And, and my, my inner mom like just knew something was wrong and the doctors kept saying I was crazy and it's just teething and it's just this and that. And I was adamant about it and, and got him in and, oh yeah, he has celiac disease. <laughs> and trust your gut, trust your instinct and just go with, with what you think because you're the only one that really knows what that child needs. Absolutely. And then even for yourself too, learn or not learn because you can't just learn your intuition <laughs> you can but it needs need guidance um but uh and know the intuition for yourself and and how you would advocate for your child advocate yes. for yourself as well and oh, it looks so different okay. for everybody but it's super necessary uh, definitely and just especially with your bodies your body's going to be different after pregnancy like no matter what you you're there is like one millisecond percent of the world that comes back with like a flat stomach and oh I left in the same genes and da 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 like that is very rare um the biggest thing I tell my women too is uh you know you don't hate your kids I'm sorry you don't love your kids only when they're good so don't love your body only when it's small you know what I mean like treat your body treat treat yourself how you would treat your your kids yeah so. and it, yeah I, I love that quote that's a great one Thank you so much for listening to this episode. Our group tends to have these fantastic discussions, and we always ask ourselves why we haven't recorded any of them. And now, here we are. If you are interested in more content, we'll be releasing new episodes every other Monday. You can also check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube by searching Therapy Solutions PLLC. That PLLC is super important. This is the Rehab Within Reach podcast, where all are encouraged to experience wholeness and independence. See you soon.